show of hands, how many of you bought a present, or for yourself, adults, a superhero thing this Christmas? So for somebody else or for yourself, you bought something that had to do with superheroes. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, superheroes are in. Yeah. The, maybe not as much as last year, but superheroes are in. Growing up, superheroes weren't... We had Ghostbusters and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and John Elway. And, and that's, what we, that's what we had. But I wasn't big in superheroes. Then the Avengers and the Batman movies and all this stuff came out. And, and this isn't for Batman to come and save you from a sermon. That's just the background that I chose, by the way. Um, but... We superheroes have really caught on, and I think uh, that we all at some point have thought, what superpower would I like to have? I think we would all look at someone and say, man, I really would like to have that. I took a test online um, because I don't have anything else to do, and uh, 20 questions, and it's going to match you with the superhero you're most like. So I, I feel it. I'm like, Batman. This is going to be Batman. It's got to be Batman. Or at least one of the cool ones. And so I hit submit, and it's the Green Lantern. <laughs> and he has a ring. And I have a ring that's more powerful than his. And I'm like, this ruins Christmas. And I was so distraught that I didn't get one of the cool ones. Because we want, we want to have one of the cool superpowers. Growing up, I, I was kind of, I was one of the faster ones, so I didn't really want for speed. I, I knew that no amount of superhero powers in the world would ever help me beat up somebody. So I wasn't even going to try for that one. But the thing I really wanted, I wanted stealth. Like, I wanted to be able to hide. Because all these little kids, I was always the tallest one, and so all these little kids, they could hide in toy boxes and on shelves and in cabinets. And me, I'm looking for a pole. Like, that's the only, and it's got to be big enough. You know, like a year ago, it had to be really big, and I need to be able to find, hide behind something so nobody can find me because I can't fit in any nook or crevice or anything like that. We find out pretty quickly that... We're not superheroes, right? The first time somebody jumps off the monkey bars thinking they can fly, they find that out really, really quickly. We're not superheroes. And so we learn that we have abilities. And for some part of our lives, those abilities get better, and then they not so much. And so they come back. But we learn to deal with our abilities. Right? We learn that this is what I can do. These are my limitations. And what we end up doing is we end up looking at our abilities and we say, okay, because this is what I have, this is what I can attain. The problem with that is we've become accustomed to setting our goals and planning our plans within the sphere, the circle of our abilities. And when we do that, we leave no room for God to come in and show us His ability or His power. When we do things that we know how to do, it's not called faith. When we step out, that's where faith comes in. And so this is a New Year's sermon, and so I'm going to challenge us all for 2014 to be a year of faith. Where we look and say, this is what I know I can do. But what I really want to see is what God can do. And so what does that look like? There's a phrase that I preached a couple years ago, I know that you all remember it well, about a, in the middle of the story that we were going through, and it was about the Israelites complaining, which that takes up more than enough 
points in the in scripture, but they were complaining about not being able to eat anything other than bread. And we're going to read about that here in a second. And God says a phrase that has stuck with me ever since. It's the first time that it really registered with me. God says, "Do you think my arms are too short to do this?" And so I looked it up, and there are three times in Scripture that this phrase is used. And so if we're wondering what we want to do this year, maybe the first step that we can take towards living a life of faith, maybe one of these can jog our our brains, and we can see where God can come in. So the first place we're going to be is in Numbers 11. Like I said, the Israelites have have been complaining again, but they're complaining that they've only had manna to eat Every single day. That's it. Now, uh, uh, hopefully you all had a great Christmas and you had the Christmas dinner. And if you were fortunate enough, you got to take some of the leftover Christmas dinner home. Right? But Christmas dinner is only really good on Christmas. Right? It's okay on the 26th. It's really, I don't want this on the 27th. And then by the 28th, you're eat it to get, eating it to get out of the house, right? That's, that's the plan. It gets less spectacular as time goes on. Now imagine if it's just bread. And it's bread day after day after day. And the Israelites say, God, at least in Egypt we had other things to eat. Now we're out here in the desert. And so God, through Mo- they come to Moses and they say, will you go complain to God as if God wasn't hearing them directly? And Moses says, sure. So God says in verse 18, Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. Yay! The Lord heard you when you wailed. If we only had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. That's great news. You will not eat it just for one day or two days or five, ten or twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it because you have rejected the Lord. This is a sermon in itself, but who is among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? And so Moses comes and he says, here I am among 600,000 men on foot and you say I will give them meat to eat for a whole month. Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? Now, growing up, I'm sure your mom, your dad, or your teacher told you that there were no dumb questions. There is at least one. God, do you know how many people there are? Well, Scripture tells us that God knows the number of hairs on our head. Therefore, I guess that he knows how many people there are. And so God replies to him with that phrase I mentioned earlier. The Lord answered Moses, Is the Lord's arm too short? You will now see whether or not I, what I say will come true for you. And it did. If you're like me, you're a control freak. And you like to make sure that everything is the way that it should be, from budgets to uh, the way that people interact with others that you know. And and you you like it under your control. And even if you're not the head of something, you know how that organization or that group should work. And you you know if it, it messes up a little bit, then the world's coming to an end, and you have to go and fix it. When we do that, we say that we want everything within that circle of our abilities. So maybe this is the year that you invite God in to take control of the things that he says in Scripture he wants control of. Maybe this is the year that we step back and we quit trying to micromanage everything and believe when Scripture tells us that God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. 
that we don't have to take on everything, that we don't have to be burdened with everyone's cares and, and, and all the, the world's problems. We can, we can give it to the God who wants it and the God who's more, than capable, more capable than we are to deal with it. So what is it that's just out of your reach that this year you need God to provide? What is it? What anxieties do you have about the upcoming year that you need God to bring that peace that surpasses all understanding into your life? What is that? Moses didn't believe that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. And when we try to control things, we essentially say the same thing. I don't think that you can do it. Your arms are too short, so let me, let me try to change it. Let me try to, to fix it. So maybe this is where we need to step out on faith this year, to say to God, I believe that you can do what you say you can do. The, the next two times this phrase is used is in Isaiah. And the first one we're going to look at is in Isaiah 50. Isaiah 50 is a continuing to t- God talking to Israel. Israel had gotten so bad that they weren't even remembering God in day-to-day life. But they had gotten so bad that they chose not to remember God even when they were fleeing because they were being overtaken. That's how far God was from their minds. Even when they needed help, they didn't call for it. And in Isaiah 50, starting in verse 2, God says this, When I came, why was there no one? When I called, why was there no one to answer? Was my arm too short to ransom you? Do I lack the strength to rescue you? By mere rebuke, I dry up the sea. I turn rivers into a desert. Their fish rot for lack of water and die of thirst. I clothe the sky with darkness and make sackcloth its covering. God says, I can do all these things, and yet when you needed me, when you needed to be delivered, you didn't ask. So maybe we're not that big of a control freak, but we know that there's something else out there that has control over us. And the problem with that is that the world tells us that we can fight it and that we can beat it, or maybe they even say that it's okay. But it's within this, this, this sphere of our ability to at least try, and, and we say, I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried, and I've done the 12 step, these 12 steps. I've, I've done all these things, and, and I still can't beat it. And maybe this is the year that we step out on faith and say, I can't beat it, but I know a God who's in the freedom business. These were the Israelites who were set free from their bondage and slavery, but yet they continued to fall into sin. We are free in Christ, but yet we still have these things that compete for our attention and adoration. And God wants to deliver you and deliver me from those things. Because God wants us all. He wants every part of us. Scripture tells us that God is a jealous God. He doesn't want to share us with anything. And when those things come into our lives that that end up distracting us and taking us away from Him, He is more than able to come in and to change those things, but we have to be the ones to ask. Now I'll take a little aside here to, to say this, that not that God needs our help, but if we truly want God to change us, We can't keep doing the same things that we're doing. If we truly want God to deliver us from the need to be cool and to fit in with our group of people, then we can't go around them because we know when we go around them, we end up gossiping and slandering and lying and saying things that we shouldn't say. 
If we want God to deliver us from an addiction, we can't go back to those places that feed it or those people that encourage it. If we want God to, to deliver us and, and keep us pure, then that might mean that you turn your smartphone back into a dumb one. And it might mean that your only computer is the one that's in the family room and it's only on when people are there. If we're serious about God delivering us, then we have to make sure that we're not putting ourselves in the positions that got us in that mess in the first place. But God is more than capable of deliverance. He wants to come in and to change our lives, but we have to ask. And so what is out of your reach that you need God to come in and deliver you from? Maybe these first two, they're not quite... Uh, in, in your life right now. But this last one I think is. Isaiah 59. Um, if, you, if you really mess up, if you really mess up, and you think you're the only one that this has ever happened to, read Isaiah 59, and you're going to find out that Israel probably did it. Right? it. Isaiah 59 is a laundry list of all the things that Israel did. Not all the things. Some of the things that Israel did. And it gets across just how hurt God is that his people have turned from him. But what's ironic about Isaiah 59 is that it starts with, a, with God telling them about his power and ends with God telling him, them about what he's going to do about their sin problem. Isaiah 59.1 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. And then he goes through this, this list, but he ends it with this. In verse 20, the Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you and my words that I put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth or from the mouths of your children or from the mouths of their descendants from this time on and forever, says the Lord. God says, I'm going to do something about this sin problem. And if we, can't, if we don't have control issues and we don't have anything that's vying for our attention, you're lying, but we don't have anything that's vying for our attention, then we all know somebody who we at one point or another have given up on. It's a family member, it's a co-worker that we have invited to church over and over and over again and they haven't come. It's someone who you love deeply, a parent, a child, a friend, who can't get out of their own way and keep messing up, and you've said deep down in your heart, even if you don't want to say it out loud, I just, they're just too far gone. They just can't stop messing up. And what we say, really, when we say that, is that I've tried everything in my own power, and I just don't think it's going to happen. And then the words from Isaiah 59 shows up. And it says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. There is no one that has messed up so badly that God's arms can't reach. And so this may be the year that you re-up your efforts in talking to that person about faith. Ecclesiastes tells us that God has placed eternity in the hearts of all men. And and this is just my personal opinion. But I think that every decision we make says something about how we view eternity. I think as Christians, we make decisions based on the fact that we were bought with a price, or at least we should. We were bought with a price, and we're going to live forever with Christ. And that should base how we make our decisions. And people who don't have an eternal hope, 
They're going to make decisions about the here and now. And so each and every day, people make decisions based upon their view. And every single day, it presents us with an opportunity that says that, that we have a, a way through Christ where we can live forever. Where we don't have to be separated from God. And when each day that happens, we have an opportunity to share the gospel of Christ with them. We have an opportunity to shine a light in their lives. And so what is out of your reach? Who is out of your reach that needs the salvation that God can provide? Because I can tell you that God hasn't given up on them. And He won't. These were just steps, and I hope that some of you can take these and and use these uh, to to live a life of faith. If that doesn't apply to you, there's one prayer that I'm going to ask that you pray with me this year. I'm going to pray it every single morning, and I want you to, to, this is an uh, adaptation of something we heard at CIY, that a mom prays with her kids every day. But but this is the prayer that we want to pray together. It's, Dear God, now this is in jeer jargon, so you can make it whatever however you actually talk. But, dear God, show me what you're up to today and let me be a part of it. Dear God, show me what you're up to today and let me be a part of it. Because what that prayer says is that even if you're up to something that's outside of my abilities and my circle, I trust you enough that you're going to be with me and I'm going, as we go and do your will. That's what it says. It says, God, I'm okay with taking a step out of my comfort zone because I know that you're there. And I know that your arms aren't too short and I know that you can do all these things. So that's my prayer this year. And I hope that that's yours too. And I truly believe that if we pray this prayer, you'll have to be ready for when God answers it. We have to be ready for when God answers it. And he says, okay, there. But I think if we pray this prayer lives will be changed starting with yours and we'll make this church and this community and the people that you're around a better place let's pray Lord I I know that you are all powerful I know that your arms aren't too short I know that mine are. I know that I can only do so much. So, God, I pray that that this year, all of us in this room, we would live a life of faith, that we would step out of our comfort zones and our build, what we're, we're okay with, and know that you are the God who put everything into motion. You're, you're the God who knows every single hair on every single head. You're the God who says that you will do exactly what you say you're going to do. You're the God who says that you will deliver us from the things of this world. And you're the God who says that your arms are not too short to save and that the arms of your son were stretched on a cross so that that was possible. And I pray, Lord, if there's a decision that needs to be made today, whether it's to join you for the first time, or just to to make a step to live a life of faith. God, I pray that we would make it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.